Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Ceasefire Steven Universe Fan Podcast. This is episode 145, and today we'll be talking about Earthlings. I'm GC13. And I'm David. So, David, you ever watch much Invader Zim? Ow, that is so funny you bring it up, actually, because I have Invader Zim in my notes. I'm interested to know, uh, yes, yeah, I, I was actually a pretty big fan, um, mostly after the fact, because uh, when the show came out, I was uh, probably a pretty young kid, so... Yeah, loved it. So what about this episode reminded you of Zim? So, well, actually, uh, your your note probably is more related. I actually had Invader Zim on my list because, I mean, well, obviously Peridot in many ways uh, is reminiscent <laughs> of some of uh, Zim's behaviors. But I actually had it on here um, talking about sort of the art direction for this episode. So I might want to save that uh, for the moment. Ah, okay, because this one, every every time... Jasper's giving her little demotivational speech to her corrupted quartz uh, conscript. It reminds me of the Invader Zim episode, Walk for Your Lives. I could just imagine Jasper saying, This planet ruins everything, <laughs> except me, it seems. I pass inspection. I get a snuggling. <laughs> right, Amethyst? Yeah, Jasper's speech um was pretty interesting if i'm assuming she knew amethyst was there the whole time because otherwise serious zim vibes with just (laughs) this planet is disgusting and i'm the only good thing here so yeah but yeah i i got very i got some very tallest vibes off of her for sure i felt that this episode really sort of uh, we already had sort of Jasper having to do some extended dialogue, some different emotions uh, back in Alone at Sea. But here, uh, once again, Jasper's voice actress sort of has to convey uh, a lot of the different things with Jasper. And I kind of felt uh, this is another one of those things that sort of maybe brought down the arc a little for me, that it was really difficult with what Jasper's voice was. This just sort of grovelly thing. It's really hard for me to connect with her uh, more sadder uh, moments or her, uh, her inner yeah. struggles uh it's just harder to convey it's great for those for those moments of when she's on top and feeling good about herself and those tallest vibes but it it's harder to get into it when she's just like no one i fuse with ever stays <laughs> so yeah that's it's very it's very comedic when she says that yeah yeah, and I'm not sure which way the tone was meant to be, because it, it definitely feels more like that comedic than uh, something where I really feel for the character, which I feel like we're supposed to, because Amethyst by the end is calling her sis, so, um, you know. Yeah, but we we learned something pretty big about Jasper in between then and <laughs> Amethyst calling her sis. That's I mean, true. That, you know, my diamond, your diamond, pink diamond, That that was beautiful. I think. Yeah. I uh hmm. I felt like the first time I saw it, I liked the reveal. I I think the only problem I ever had with it was just sort of Jasper again conveying those different emotions, but I do think that uh her voice lends well to that that kind of drama just she's just yelling uh as the corrupting agent takes over. I mean, yeah, that scene plays out pretty well. I li- I like that more than the sort of unnecessary earlier when she explains the diamond authority again, which I felt like at this point we didn't really need her. And we sort of see like the diamond insignia reappear. 
Like that felt like a little overdone versus when she just is screaming up pink diamond. Uh, the focus just right on her, right on her face. She's losing her mind. That that played out well. Yeah. I, I, I like the part where she re-explained the diamond authority. It's Jasper's perspective on it. And plus you get this wonderful picture of all the gems working together to form the diamond authority and purging anything that's too misshapen to fit inside Ooh, see i was i was gonna ask what what you thought of those different shapes that form the authority but that's actually yeah that's the best interpretation that those are all the correct fitting pieces if you imagine it um as all the different gems that make up the correct hierarchy yeah i'm, I'm confident that's what was meant to be understood okay yeah and then we have some pretty crazy shapes outside the authority <laughs> lots of nickelodeon logo type shapes yeah we, um, we need to go back and we need to see okay which one of these is rodenite which one of these is pad parasha which one of these is fluorite oh yeah i guarantee some of the shapes there are uh there's also shapes um other shapes that we've seen like there's a star pattern that looks sort of like the shooting star which is questionably a gem or not um so yeah you shoot it <laughs> you know, well, I'm not going to bring up the shoot star again. It's very interesting what happened to that device. I just wonder what Pearl is talking about. She said it's an ancient elemental. Yeah. So it's like, usually, you know, from Dungeons and Dragons, I'm trained to think that an elemental is its own entity, a, a being. Yeah. Well, and deriving from an Adventure Time influence, uh, you know, that those played a role in Adventure Time, it'd be interesting if some of the staff that came over, uh, you know, had the same sort of ideas about the word elementals. But that's early season stuff that I don't know if they ever met were intentional about that. So who knows? That'd yeah. be interesting, though. Another piece of lore, these ancient elementals. But we've only seen the one. If, I, if we'd seen something else like the shooting star, then I'd feel like there'd be more behind it. But since we haven't. Uh. Yeah, so many, so many. I mean, this is something that at this point I have no confidence that this question will ever be answered. Maybe in a spin-off series of some sort. Yeah. Maybe. If they remember. I haven't caught up on some of the recent comics uh, for Steven Universe. Oh, they're all slice of life stuff. Yeah, I feel like that would have been a good place to expand some of those ideas. Kind of like they have a comic about the inside of Pearl's gem which <laughs> I'm sure is never going to come up again. But it was a useful detail, which maybe stuck in level two canon or something, but, um, you know, it, it could be used to explain stuff like that. That's never going to be connected to the main plot, but, uh, whatever. I mean, they would have a market for comics that were literally just illustrated lectures by Pearl about various <laughs> subjects in gem history. I totally agree. Anything close to, um, a more exciting comic form of the guide to the crystal gems there's so much that uh, that could go into that, and people would be willing to pay money. <laughs> you have one page of Pearl explaining, okay, this is what we're going to talk about. It's a very important subject in gem history, and then the rest of the narration is her telling us about it, and then with whatever that panel is, whatever illustration fits. I, and I think that would totally fit for the character, and uh, it'd be better than, I don't know. I feel like, for me personally, I really love Steven Universe, but the comics didn't pull me in. Uh, after I tried so many, I was like, I don't really care about these slice of life stories. They feel too inconsequential and the humor and stuff isn't the same as the show. So, I mean, before we knew that pearls were servants, I kind of envisioned just based on our pearl that Planet of the Pearls would probably have a lot of lecture halls on it. So <laughs> it would fit the character so well. Yeah, I agree. 
Uh, but, ooh, a lot happened to this episode. Uh, we mentioned the fight briefly uh, last time we recorded, and again, uh, I think they made Jasper just way too strong. She completely no-sells Amethyst's finisher. Yeah. Well, I like the balance between that Jasper is really strong when she's just fighting one-on-one, but as soon as Smokey comes into the equation, it just totally throws her off. Smokey destroys her. Yeah. I really like the the weapon. Sometimes the fighting choreography isn't that exciting in Steven Universe. Um the the yo-yo brought a lot of interesting moves. Uh so I really liked that that gave a great visual flourish for that point in the episode and Oh yeah, I love when she throws it out at when Jesper's running away and just whacks her in the face with it. Yeah, well yeah, it like hits her twice when it uh spins around that rock. I think that's just uh great both fighting uh element and just humor. So yeah. <laughs> and then of course she's making puns even in the middle of battle. Yeah. I already got three huge fans. Yeah, oh I loved Smokey's voice actress. It really fit um they they do a really good job at fitting all the fusion voices. It just really did feel like a good combination of uh, Steven and Amethyst and does really well to sort of play into the condescending tone that they have on <laughs> themselves, too. So, Oh, yeah, the very self-deprecating. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that when we do uh, Know Your Fusion, won't we? Mm-hmm. I also feel like uh, Smokey, as a character, is uh, one of the fusions closest to the vision that... Uh, Miss Sugar had towards fusion being like a way to show kids that being together uh, with people and growing in a relationship is sort of like a power up. Like she wanted to make that uh, an exciting element. Uh, Like the action would be tied into this sort of emotional beat. And Steven and Amethyst are one of the most long-term relationships we've seen that resulted in this fusion. So I think that's pretty cool. Oh yeah, and this was this was another one where like the moral of the story is going to be uh, smacked over your head several times. <laughs> yeah. So there's no questioning what Smoky Quartz is meant to represent. Yeah. I think they did good with it though. I mean, it's a lesson that the character was struggling to learn, so it it fits. I like Steven uh, of all the sort of monologues that happen in the episode. I like Steven's short bit to Amethyst. I felt that felt really appropriate and and which brief versus uh where i wasn't so much into jasper's monologuing um <laughs> so but yeah i thought i thought it was actually a pretty good emotional moment between them and i like how instantaneous the fusion was i feel like you know at the start of the series they really had dancing as part of a fusion and then they just sort of gave that yeah, up what, after what a while that? like steven and connie just smash into each other <laughs> to fuse like just touch hands and boom i mean maybe it's just because of their insane chemistry but yeah i mean steven and amethyst just hug each other like i'm fine with that but you know even jasper knew when she fused with lapis she at least gave her a little spin like that was still playing like if you can just touch each other which is also what Jasper yeah. does with the corruption. Yeah, it's just... It's weird. Yeah. They've completely abandoned the concept of the dance. I mean, they, they kind of nodded to it in Super Watermelon Island a little bit, but that was just a couple twirls and Garnet snapping her finger to the rhythm, and then, boom, Alexandrite. 
Yeah, so, I mean, I guess how I felt about it is that dancing is required when there's, like, if there's an intense emotional connection, you're able to fuse pretty much immediately. When Ruby meets Sapphire at the end of season one, and they sort of hug and twirl, and then Stephen and Connie, of course, and then this moment. But then you have, you know, again, Jasper just sort of forcing herself with the fusion, which, uh, but I guess that works too, because the fusion's or the the corrupted uh, gems really trying to escape. And so that sort of, uh, they both have a goal that they're trying to reach, which is why that fusion happens. But yeah, mm-hmm. I just don't know. But speaking of things I don't know, I, I am just completely at this point, I have no idea what to make of gem stature. This episode reminded me of Too Short to Ride, where... Peridot said, no, I do not need to grow. My stature is indicative of my rarity mm-hmm. and importance. Yeah, I actually had a note, too, about um, Peridot's position again. Yeah, because of the, her her status is what Jasper mentioned. And it's like, because mm-hmm. right? at first we just assumed, oh, you know, taller gem, more powerful, higher status. Turns out that's not true. It's true for Ruby to Quartz. You know, you get bigger you get stronger you get higher status that's for sure but then you have sapphire who's the same size we don't have power but much higher status and then we had aquamarine who's shorter higher status probably stronger still than the quartzes while being roughly at the same status as topaz yeah who is a brute at this point i just think it's all over the place but Peridot clearly indicates that her height indicates something about her importance. Yeah, that it's, it's interesting. I mean, I think they've definitely distinguished themselves from the simplistic hierarchy of, like, the Invader Zim universe. Um, but... <laughs> Which is a shame. I, I mean, that <laughs> makes a very... Co- I mean, the diamonds are enormous. Nobody's going right. to beat them in a being tall contest. Right. <laughs> yeah, probably the diamonds are the largest gems we'll see besides fusions. Uh, Backs against the wall, everyone. We're measuring. <laughs> I'm, well, I, I've seen pictures of people trying to put all the gems next to each other to determine their proportions, but I don't think the storyboarders use anything similar. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm interested uh, how much more Peridot's uh, homeworld background gets fleshed out because we've had references to her importance here, Jasper saying that she's lost her status. Obviously, being a kindergartner is a pretty important job. I mean, that's the the birthplace of gems, so... Yeah, I, I I just don't know where else it ties into the story to get more, but I, it's sort of the same with Lapis, where I'm like, we don't know a lot about what these characters were like before and on Homeworld, and maybe those will come up more as we see more of Homeworld. If Peridot and Lapis are coming with Steven to Homeworld, those stories could easily come up uh, as we deal with that in Season 5, so that may be the place. I mean, can, can I can I dream for a moment here? Uh, pl- dream with me, GC. What is your dream? Because I'm dreaming that you, you know, in a in a later season when the this whole mess with the homeworld is sorted out and everybody's made nice, they've agreed <laughs> to kind of leave leave Earth be and leave Stephen be, but they have need of Peridot for some reason. Maybe she's learned something on Earth that she has to share with the other Peridots. For whatever reason, her and Stephen have to go to Homeworld, where Peridot interacts with a bunch of standard run of the mill Homeworld Peridots. <laughs> that would be really interesting to see. I feel like Peridot feels really confident in her uh, newfound independence and power. And it would be pretty interesting to see her uh, interact with a bunch of Peridots just doing their jobs. Because we saw Peridot before 
as just this sort of cold, uh, emotionless, yeah. just doing her job. Uh, it'd be interesting to see her try, trying to talk, to talk to other Paradots. That would be funny seeing them like tease her for not having her limb enhancers and Till she, and then she just casually just magnetos one of them. I I like I, I like that. I I forgot that Paradox. Mm-hmm, like yeah, all the Paradox in their suit, she'd stand out, but then she could just <laughs> wipe them clean. <laughs> uh, but yes, that that would be great. And then two gems show up at the fry shop on Earth, and then the <laughs> series ends with Stephen finally getting his cookie cats. The yep. series arc concludes. <laughs> we're, we're slowly building the Lunar Sea Spire non-canonical ending to Steven Universe. Uh, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get this fleshed out uh, maybe into a movie at least. Yeah, I mean, it, it'd be nice. <laughs> Let's see. Hmm. I don't really want to, if, if we're getting close to the end already, I don't want to end on another negative note. But I did have, as far as art direction, we talked about um, Smokey looks awesome i really liked jasper's fusion design as well we'd already seen the uh the other quartz corruptions but uh that just sort of monstrous design i really like the fusions looking more uh beast-like or animal-like just looks cool uh something though that this episode reminded me of is the composition of shots has sort of uh, varied over time composition meaning sort of where the characters are in the scene or how where they're where they're placed in the frame. I feel like Steven Universe has been trying a more cinematic style lately versus a more cartoony style. And you see that a lot here with a lot of shots that are just a character on the left side or right side of the screen. And, uh, you know, comparing to Invader Zim, which uh, we had mentioned at the beginning, you get a lot of dramatic and, and there's a lot of comic book influence in both Invader Zim and you even see it in this sort of offshoot series to Steven Universe, OKKO, led by uh, Ian well, J.Q. It's, it's not so much an offshoot series. They well, were, right. The, the pilots were at the same time. Well, actually, I think OKKOs actually came out first, but... Oh yeah, you know, yeah, that's true. It's not they were developing. Both Rebecca and uh, Ian were kind of developing the shows at the same time. Yeah, all right, I take that back. Ian, uh, not just an offshoot, uh, original idea way before even Steven Universe. Uh, but both those, so Invaders M and that, you see just a lot of try to. They're just trying their best to give as much cartoon creativity to how stuff is set up. And I feel like uh, Invaders, or excuse me, Steven Universe has so many great influences within the staff. And even Rebecca Sugar herself comes from a a comic book background. It's a little disappointing to me that like they don't always try so much for that, but I get for them trying to convey these more serious tones or more complex stories. They sort of adopt a style that fits that better, but then you sort of get, uh, it's kind of hard to explain on a podcast and so you can't just show screenshots but if you look through the episode there's sort of some different pieces that just feel kind of weak like right after jasper explains the diamond authority uh she she's still angrily talking but the shot is zoomed out so that uh they're sort of jasper and steven and amethyst are in the center of the shot but uh like half the screen all the edges around them are just side of sort of blank desert and i'm not really sure why the shot's zoomed out because she's delivering a 
super intense line. So that should be a close-up right on her face. <laughs> right, either on her face or get some shots of how Steven and Amethyst are reacting to what Jasper's saying. I feel like a much better example in show is The Return. When we see Jasper first and she's delivering the same kind of uh, speech and intensity, uh, you get the really cool green lighting that also uh, yeah. was paralleling the second episode. Uh, there's just a lot more. Yeah, they do do more with close-ups. You see a lot more back and forth between what Jasper's saying and how the crystal gems are reacting to it, because that's a big point in that episode, that the gems are scared. And I feel like you don't get that as much here. So uh, Maybe it was less animation work to do the wide shot? Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I I hate to see. Like Steven Universe is a is a popular show, and Cartoon Network likes it. And I don't know how much that plays a role into into things where maybe, uh, you know, it, it costs money to animate shows. And, you know, that that's a reason why, like Nickelodeon with Legend of Korra, as awesome as the show that was, when I go and watch that, I'm amazed at sometimes the production quality and how many uh, you're getting like solid 12 frames a second of like really well choreographed fight scenes and stuff. And I'm like, man, this costs Nickelodeon a lot of money. And I get that, you know, Cartoon Network is a lot more about producing uh, lots of episodes, 11 minutes. So, you know, but uh, it, it hurts sometimes when I know that the people producing the show ha have uh, a lot of talent. Uh, but I, but we don't always see it in some of these where where the shot could be made more exciting or I could be drawn more into what the characters are feeling. That was a really long rant, but... That is, uh, I, you know, I have great faith in 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 the art and in the, the creator, so I just want to see it expressed as much as possible. Well, that one example you used, it does sound like the close-up on somebody's reaction would have been better. And just every little bit you can take helps out. Yeah. I mean, if they, if they completely cheaped out on every shot where they could, the show would not be very good, even no. if the writing was solid. So it's, it is a valid thing to bring up. Uh, you want to... What's something a little bit brighter to talk about? It's just, I could not watch this. And then when Jasper plows into the wall, freeing a large portion of her army, <laughs> I, I just cannot say, so long, suckers, <laughs> as all of the guys run away. I mean, honestly, why? Jasper's like, no, my army. But like, Jasper, why were you just sitting there spinning on the wall? Like, I get that you're powerful and maybe that attack takes... A long time, but like, come on, you're just sitting there on the wall, just hitting it as hard as you can while all these things break free. Like, come on. Come She's on. got a lot of aggression she needs to work out. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Well, except now she's she's bubbling it all up. And who knows when she's going to be broken free. That's sort of like another off with bismuth now, except, well, she's not with bismuth. Or wait, no, she is. Yeah, she's in the temple. They're probably neighbors. They're bubble buddies. Yeah, they're bubble buddies. I I don't know if uh, if and when she'll be taken out. She's obviously a much bigger problem than Bismuth. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I hope they unbubble Bismuth. They... <sighs> mm. I know, I know. But yeah, I, I need my Jasper redemption arc. When it, when it turns out that Rose Quartz didn't actually kill Pink Diamond, or Ugh. that she is Pink Diamond, or that Pink Diamond <laughs> asked her to kill her, when it turns out that it's not Rose's fault, then all of Jasper's reasons to hate Steven go away. 
that would be an interesting angle. I am not excited to find out that Rose Quartz was not the one to shutter Pink Diamond because I liked that as a as a point for for Steven to wrestle with. But, you know, if that's the case, maybe that leads us towards Jasper Redemption, which I'm fine with because Jasper is a great addition to the team, possibly the strongest on the team, as long as the oh, team yes. is all separate and not hugging <laughs> each other or touching hands. <laughs> yeah, that hand holding really powers the crystal gems up. <laughs> hmm. But they they do seem to be trying to reform Rose Court. They they made her look like she had some really rough, dark edges earlier in the series. And nowadays, they seem to be trying to file those down, saying, no, 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 she really was as nice as everyone thinks. Yeah. I, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they deal with it, because we start off as a sort of, um, you know, just a mystical quality to her and everything, or mythical, really, quality, and then as she gets fleshed out, in the Greg flashbacks and stuff, we sort of see her, you know, she's concerned about her own past and she's, uh, you know, even weird about Greg, which I've always thought that's weird that thousands of years passed and she was all about humans and she still treated Greg like a plaything. That's just courtly love for you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's, it'll be interesting to see how they finish this Rose Quartz development because. You know, I, I don't want to see her flaws go away. And I don't think they're doing that. But I don't I don't I wonder what the balance will be struck. I, I feel like it's just one that has to uh, the you know, what's ever most interesting for Steven, because really Rose's character development is m mostly built on, you know, how Steven uh, reacts or deals with it uh, for a large part. So that's just the way the series is structured, which I love. <laughs> I I love that point for for Steven. So, we'll we'll see. It's exciting. I I'm excited because Rose Quartz is probably my favorite part of the show. So. Oh yeah, we better learn a whole lot more about her in season five. Yeah, I'm just saying. Hey, uh, the Crystal Gems have plenty to talk about. So, <laughs> although it's not always the most exciting thing to animate if they're just talking, but you know somehow it's got to come up. That's what the Pearl Lecture comics are for. Yes, please. Please, Crewniverse, if any one of you is hearing this, get someone on this comic project. It could be a digital-only release. I'd buy it. Oh, it yeah. Keeps the keeps the cost down. You don't have to do physical printing if you're worried about selling copies. Yeah. Yeah. I'm totally for that. I think the Invader Zim comics did reasonably well, and they were DRM-free, meaning, you know, that you could buy them and... There was no copyright locking on them. And comics are really easy to share online and fans do it all the time. And yet that series went for more than 10 issues. And, you know, uh, at least to me, it seemed like people were buying it so easily. Nice. Steven Universe is an active show. We could do digital comics with Pearl explaining things. Please, <laughs> please. Yeah, just, just as a supplementary series. Anyway, any more thoughts on Earthlings? I am I'm glad to be done with the Jasper arc. I liked it, but uh, I'm ready the next time to see Jasper to see her grow a little more and become part <laughs> of the team, maybe. Uh, we can only hope. So, guys, join us next week. Where we'll be talking about Back to the Moon. How exciting is that? Until then, I'm GC13. I'm David. Later, everyone. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. Our opening and closing music is by James Roach. 
For more Steven Universe fan-related content, please visit LunarCSpire.com. Thank you for listening.